Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Alive, brought to you by the Asher Longevity Institute, committed to the science-based and easy-to-implement lifestyle changes you need in order to live a much longer and much healthier life. This show is made possible through the generous support of People Unlimited, a premier longevity company in Phoenix, Arizona. Learn more about People Unlimited and their partner longevity experts in the Coalition for Radical Life Extension at rlecoalition.com. That's rlecoalition.com. I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Longevity Institute studio in Washington, D.C., together with the host of Alive, John Asher, CEO and co-founder of the Asher Longevity Institute. John's guest is Nick Shaw, co-founder of Renaissance Periodization, a multi-million dollar health and fitness company improving the lives of hundreds of thousands of clients around the world. Nick helped coach numerous world-class athletes, including CrossFit Games champions, international medalists in weightlifting, UFC fighters, Navy SEALs, and Olympians. The title of the show and his new book is Fit for Success, Lessons on Achievement and Leading Your Best Life. Over to you, John. Well, Nick, so great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. So there's a great uh, symbiotic relationship between your seven habits for success and our nine steps to an unlimited life. So what's the backstory, uh, Nick? How did you get into uh, what you're doing? Well, I guess the, the long story short is I am really passionate about a couple things. One of them being health and fitness, just always growing up, I've been into that. It's always fascinating to me. I love the idea of constantly getting better. There's always something more to do when it comes to health and fitness. And the second part is really, I just, I love reading, learning, and understanding what makes people successful. And so was able to combine both of those into my book that came out last year to kind of distill, you know, just reading a bunch of books and listening to a bunch of other successful people and working with a lot of really great athletes you kind of start to notice a lot of common themes that uh, successful people tend to do. And that's really interesting for me. And I was just able to combine those down into seven habits. And yeah, that was really the formation of the book. But uh, the cool thing about it is, well, if you want to be successful in the long run, well, heck, I can't think of a better way to be successful than you actually have to be around and to live a long time. So I guess it comes back, uh, like you said, full circle to what you guys are doing. No, it's a totally agree. A great, great insight. And so I know, um, having looked at your book, I know one of your first habits is uh, work hard. And of course, work hard implies pretty much that you're going to be an avid consumer of information. For example, I think I've read 1,200 books <laughs> over many, 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 many years. Some of them, admittedly, I skim because I read so much on the subject already. I just wanted to yeah. see what was new. But is that the foundation, Nick, uh, working hard? Yeah, so I think really to be successful ultimately, and the cool thing about success is really no matter what you're doing, whether it's sports or business or sales like yourself or you know, overcoming adversity, you can have all the best ideas in the world, but at the end of the day, ideas are just that, they're just ideas. But until you actually put them into play and actually use action and put them into work, you know, actually do the work, to change these ideas into actual results, at the end of the day, that's what it's really all about. So that has to be the foundation of it. Because I'm sure we all know people that you know they have a million different ideas, but 
they never really do anything with them. So that's why work ethic is that foundation because so many people, I think, have all these ideas, but then they never do anything with them. And so that's kind of this, you know, that's the paradigm. It's like, well, it's great to have ideas, but then to not do anything with them, yeah, makes them not all that important. No, totally agree. And um, my parents were so great about that for me and my brother. And that was uh, for my mother. She was a full-time artist, 50 years. And she would get up and paint every morning. And she would say, being a successful artist is 10% inspiration meaning what was your paint and 90 percent perspiration in other words work hard and keep working at it for, for my mother nothing i could do was wrong right everything i was perfect <laughs> on my father's side essentially i was never quite good enough in anything i did you know an a minus in any subject was just unacceptable and speaking of sports if i missed a layup he told me why i went, I went off the wrong foot or something and I was a pitcher and he always sat in the stands behind the catcher. And any anytime somebody hit a home run off of me, that he would say, you know, your curveball just hung out there, Johnny. <laughs> so because of him, I became a workaholic. So uh, there's no hope for me as far as working hard goes. It's just kind of built in from both parents from two different perspectives, really. Yeah, well, I think that's probably a good thing to have. Uh, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because... You know, my parents are just really, really blue collar. And so I was probably blessed with that you know, hard work gene early on and was luckily able to discover it in high school, just how important it was, especially when it related to sports and that if I could just, you know, a lot of times I wasn't really blessed with much athletic ability or talent, but I realized if I just outworked a lot of other people, because most people weren't willing to put in all the work required to be successful, that usually if I just kept going and would keep pushing myself that I could, you know, be, be hopefully as good as, as some of the other folks. So yeah, it's always been something I've been big on. And obviously that leads so well into you know, health and fitness because, you know, in order to exercise, it takes a lot of work and it's not always fun to do and you got to be disciplined about it. But at the end of the day, you have that work ethic and, and can build those healthy habits. It's going to go a long ways for your health in the long run. You just mentioned discipline and how important that is. I, I noticed that was your, um, in your book, that's your fourth uh, main habit for success. And that is having, having the discipline. And so can you describe what, what's behind that? What do you mean by that? Sure. Yeah. So a lot of times you're not always going to want to do the things that you should. And so I think if you approach it and sort of think about the instant gratification versus the delayed gratification, and this has huge ramifications for health and fitness because, of course, well, what are the, the allures and the temptations is to sit around and binge watch Netflix and, and eat junk food because that's the easy thing to do. But is that going to be the right choice to make for the long run, for the long-term time horizon? Most of the times, no. The right thing we do is make sure you prioritize eating well most of the time, of course. Maybe no one's going to be perfect all the time. Make sure you get your exercise in. And so I was, for me, really, I guess discipline comes down to this idea of a longer term time horizon. And boy, oh boy, I think that fits in perfectly with what you do, because when you think about things in terms of these extended timelines, you start to make different choices. You start to value different things. For example, you know, if you were going to invest 
Well, you're going to take the really risky thing that may or may not pay off, but, you know, has that crazy allure of these huge returns. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the right thing to do, but chances are it's not. Or do you take the more boring, slow, methodical approach that, you know, a lot of folks are talking about, you know, just in terms of the, the boring, low-cost <laughs> index funds or something like that. And when you think about it from a long-term time horizon, I think uh, it just helps people make better choices. No, I think it's great insight. And um, as, as far as uh, for, for me personally, um, I'm a big proponent of um, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Sure. And one of the bottom lines I got out of that book was um, I always used to think that to create a new habit, it took, you, you, you could hear various authors say various things, you know, 30 days of practice or 60 days sure. or whatever. But what he discovered, and he's got real science behind his book is that it's not the time, it's the number of repetitions, the number of times you practice uh, the new habit. So that was a real revelation for me. And I'll give you one interesting example from, from our nine steps to an unlimited life. One, one of them is called fasting. And every microorganism discovered to date where, the, where you cause it to fast, whether it's a worm or a dog, it doesn't matter they end up living longer. And there's real science behind fasting. It's telling your body, uh, you got to toughen up because famine's right around the corner. And therefore, you got to get rid of the dead cells and the senescent cells and strengthen the good cells and that's all those activities. And so the kind of standard is for fasting is uh, two consecutive days every two weeks for 16 hours. That's like the gold standard. And so my wife and I tried that. And it was a struggle. So now we just fast every day. <laughs> so we quit drinking and eating every night at either seven or eight. This depends on what else is going on. And then we do not um, take in any more calories. So it's not like you can't drink water or coffee in the morning. But we don't take any more calories in until 16 hours later. And the nice thing about it is half of that 16 hours is usually you're sleeping. Yeah. And so we just, we, we really do, no kidding, fast every single day. And it's because it's so easy to get into that habit. You don't have to remember it. Oh, gosh, it's seven days I got to fast today. Oops, whoops, I blew it. <laughs> so I love that discipline part of your, of your habits. Totally believe that. Yeah, totally. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense because you're not, if you're not doing it every day, I've noticed that there's this, there's this big momentum component. And if you are able to do something for a while, it just becomes such second nature. that You don't have to think about it. You just kind of do it. And for me, I had this really good streak of, you know, getting up pretty early. And I tell you what, I stopped doing that because I think it was around the holidays. And it was so hard that next morning to get back up that I kind of fell out of that funk. Now, the cool thing was I realized I could still get everything done that I needed to. I didn't have to quite wake up super, super early, usually just getting up a little bit earlier than I might otherwise want to. But it was this just crazy momentum to it. And as soon as I stopped that momentum, it was like it was 10 times harder the next day. Yeah, totally agree. John, John, it's time for a quick commercial break. The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and much healthier life. 
Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to AsherLongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's AsherLongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire. Now back to John and Nick. So Nick, um, thanks for that insight on sleep. You know, our step one, nine steps to an unlimited life, is get a full night's sleep. And we Americans, actually everybody in the Western world, in the last 70 years have gone from an average of eight and a half hours of sleep to six and a half hours of sleep with devastating effects on our health, teenagers' health, our productivity, almost almost everything. And there are 17,000 documented studies on the difference between a full night's sleep and not enough, like six, six and a half hours. One interesting one of just one of the 17,000 was with the Golden State Warriors for a whole season. They analyzed how much sleep the players got if they got eight hours or more their performance in points scored minutes played all those things we could measure went up by a third and when they got less than six hours they went down by a third in other words a third more fouls a third less minutes played so the the documented studies on the importance of that full night's sleep is just incontrovertible yeah, it really is interesting. I think a lot of people overlook the importance of sleep. And, and even at the top of the pyramid in my book, we have this idea of recharge. And I think as entrepreneurs, you know, folks are listening, you know, considering going down that path. It's one of these things that you, you can really overlook sleep because you, you don't value the importance of it. And it took me a while. I was definitely guilty of this a little bit myself. Again, being an entrepreneur, you kind of just think that you have to go, go, go all the time. But then when you really stop and think about it, if you have this full tank of gas, so to speak, in the morning when you wake up from a full night of sleep, you can just the quality of your work, you can be so much more productive. Whereas people think they have to stay up all night and burn the candle on both ends. Well, then you're sort of stuck just being busy because the quality of the work that you can do goes down. So it's like this, this counterintuitive thing where it's like, just go to sleep, get a little bit more, you can probably accomplish the same number of things, but just in less time. So it's really weird. And again, you know, social media and TV and all this stuff, I'm sure play a big role and people get caught up in all that. Now, you know, I'm of course guilty of a little bit here and there, but it is just really fascinating how people can overlook the importance of something as important as sleep. And, and, uh, no, I totally agree. And we should, we, we need that full night's sleep to get the amount of REM sleep, the mentally restorative sleep, and deep sleep, the physically re- restorative sleep. And to give you a, a fun example, um, if you don't get, if only you get six and a, six ha- a half hours of sleep, you don't wake up with new ideas. You don't wake up with problems solved. And so I'm sure you've heard this. When somebody has a vexing problem they can't figure out, have you ever heard somebody advise them, why don't you just stay awake on it? <laughs> uh, no. The advice is, anecdotally, why don't you sleep on it? And therefore, if you do sleep on it and get that eight, eight and a half hours, you will wake up with the solution. So that's why the sleep is so important. 
Yeah, they agreed. It's it's hugely important, and I think a lot of people do overlook it. Oh, the average American gets six and a half hours of sleep now. Yeah, with with incredible, um, really catastrophic effects. For me, during the day, if I've had eight and a half or six and a half, it's a world of difference. Just a world of difference. Yeah, I can usually tell tell a pretty big difference when uh, you know if I some nights I get six versus eight, and yeah, just to just catch yourself dragging a little bit more during the day. It's uh, it's a slippery slope. It's it's a tough thing to kind of realize, and you know it's tough, especially. Yeah, some people have to get up early and well, it goes back to that discipline part because not a lot of people can be disciplined enough to, you know, go to bed at let's say 9 p.m. or something like that because they need to get up at five if they want to get the eight hours sleep. All of a sudden, you know, well, the favorite TV show is on now. So of course you gotta watch that before you know it. You're up until eleven and guess what? You're at the six hour mark. Yep. This isn't gonna cut it. So let's talk about a couple other um um, habits in your in your in your seven your seven main habits for success. One is a positive mindset. So, what what do you mean by that, Nick? Yeah. So, I think having a positive mindset is really important in the sense that if you don't have it, well, are you is likely to to take that action that we talked about earlier in terms of work ethic. You know, if you're a bit more pessimistic, well, you're probably going to be a little bit more doubtful and maybe a little bit more cynical of, of you know if that idea in your head might work out and the two i think go hand in hand really well because people that are more hopeful and more optimistic i think they're more likely to take those you know quote-unquote risks or they're they're actually going to take those ideas and actually do something with them because they think that the chances of them succeeding are a little bit higher and now of course you know we can talk about not being too optimistic you know again sometimes maybe ideas shouldn't shouldn't actually be acted upon of course but i think uh, by and large it's just a good idea to be more optimistic in general versus the other way around. And, you know, there's a, a good bit of research in terms of uh, positive psychology, Martin Seligman, uh, on these things that usually uh, to be optimistic, you're gonna have, I think, even better health outcomes. So when we get back to talking about the longevity component, I think there's probably a good case to be made that if you just are a bit more hopeful and optimistic for the future, it's probably gonna play a pretty big role in your health. Oh, and, and there's lots of science behind the, um... You know the, uh, the the positive outlook, the um, that that helps you actually get things done, and yeah. and so that whole um, that whole outlook is, um, is 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 shown that when people have cancer, for example, if they get into the woe is me mode, or if they get into I'm going to pray hard every day if they're religious, for example, or I'm going to will myself to get better, then the outcomes are totally different. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I can actually speak to that personally because my wife, you know, had a battle of breast cancer in 2020 along with COVID. Made for a really interesting year. Yeah. And that was kind of one of the the first pieces of advice that we got from from a lady that runs a nonprofit called Barbells for Boobs. And they help people going through breast cancer and stuff. But she said two things. And these stood out to me pretty early on. One, you got to focus on the things that you can control. Well, lo and behold, that's actually internal focus of control, which is the the book. And then the other one was, you got to stay positive. And this goes perfectly with what you said. And when you combine those, when you have more positive, more optimistic mindset, you're just, again, you're more likely to believe that the things you do matter. So then you're more likely to act on it. You're more likely to do the things that you need to, whether it's, you know, taking your medicine 
or you know, going to the doctor, you know, making sure that you don't skip any appointments, all that stuff, because people that have that more positive mindset, they know everything that they're doing is making a difference. And the more action you take, well, the bigger difference you are going to make in the long run. Well, you know, there were speakers way back when, uh, Dale Carnegie, uh, Norman sure. Vincent Peale, who would talk about the self-fulfilling um, prophecy. Yes, yeah. Right? And <laughs> so, one of the great speakers I've heard called Boaz, he will say, um, if somebody asks you how your company's doing, always answer this way, unbelievable. And the reason he suggests that is unbelievable could mean anything. <laughs> it's all about how you say it. Yeah. And it's why when people ask me how I'm doing, I always say primo, fabulous, and mind-blowing. Because even if I don't feel that way, if I say it a couple of times, I'm there. Yeah, right. There's yes, absolutely something to that. I love that you mentioned the self-fulfilling prophecy because it goes both ways. Imagine being totally pessimistic about everything. Well, boy, oh boy, what do you think's going to happen when it comes to your health? And you exactly. know, if you are diagnosed with something, well, gee, you're not going to do anything about it because you're ultimately leading to a negative self-fulfilling prophecy. So I love that you mentioned that. I think it's super, super important. And uh, you know, I've read uh, books by Mr. Carnegie and. Norman, uh, Van, I'm sorry, Van Peel, right? That's, yeah, Norman Vincent Peel, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. sorry. You're too, young, you're too young to have seen him like I did. <laughs> a bit, unfortunately, I wish that I could say that I have, but uh, you know, at least <laughs> I've been able to read some of his stuff, which is the great thing about reading. You can kind of travel back in time a little bit. Yep. So um, one of your uh, seven habits that I, that I means a lot to me is um, having a purpose and meaning for your life. And there's interesting studies in Japan. They actually have a name for that, for having a purpose or a meaning for your life. And Japanese women live seven years longer than American women, and they attribute it to that. And it doesn't have to be a big grand vision. Um, I remember one Japanese woman's um, why in life or purpose was to keep my street neat and pretty. Yeah. And my wife's purpose is to totally support her family, her extended family, meaning my family, and all the kids and grandkids. And that's a full-time job, by the way. <laughs> now, mine and our co-founders for the Asher Longevity Institute is a real modest um, purpose, and that is to save a billion lives. <laughs> so that's essentially what drives us. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because just imagine wanting to live longer because you have a strong enough purpose, a strong enough reason why. Again, you're just, it's, it goes back to that self-fulfilling prophecy. You're just so much more likely to do every single thing that you possibly can because you know that you're meant to, you know, help more people. You're, you're, you're ultimately there to serve more people. And when you think these things, you know these things, boy, oh boy, it just opens up a, a lot more opportunities because you're just going to do all the right things you want to be around longer and obviously you know we can't control all that necessarily but we can you know we can ultimately take back a lot of control by doing the right things by getting enough sleep by eating well by exercising you know by being disciplined if we do all these things what's it increasing it's increasing our chances of being more successful in the long run and, and probably you know ultimately living longer and if we can do that and help more people oh boy that sounds like really great success to me Absolutely. And um, with our with our purpose to save a billion lives, you know, we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, so just to kind of piggyback off of yours, I mean, one of my 
bit more modest. And, uh, you know, hopefully that we're able to do it relatively soon. I think we could maybe make a pretty good case that we're well on our way there is uh, one of the first things I said to myself was through RP, Renaissance Periodization, I want to be able to help a million people with their health and fitness. And this was a crazy thing to say, you know, a number of years ago, and that number was maybe a few hundred, but man, now that number is probably in the hundreds of thousands. It's, uh, it's definitely my guiding purpose, yeah, for why we do what we do and want to help people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I recently read where LeBron James spends $1 million a year on his health and fitness with, you know, with yeah. various consultants, nutrition, you know, and on and on and on. So we all don't have a million dollars to spend on ourselves, but that just shows you what people, the lengths people go to to live longer now. Totally. Well, I, I believe Russell Wilson, the, the quarterback of the Seattle uh, Seahawks, is the same way. I believe they say he spends about a million dollars a year on, on his body. Yeah. And uh, we all know about the NFL goat, <laughs> right? Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a pretty good example for, for all of us. Oh, absolutely. And I'm totally biased here because I went to the University of Michigan. So oh, he's okay. a Michigan yeah. alum as well. So I'm, I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. I mean, the things that he's doing are just simply mind blowing. I mean, he, he won his first Super Bowl 20 years ago. That's just crazy. I want to read you something about Brady. Here was a scouts, um, NFL scouts description of him when he was, I think, taken on the sixth round of the University of Michigan. Yeah. Ready? Poor build, skinny, lacks great physical stature and arm strength, lacks <laughs> mobility and the ability to avoid the rush, lacks a really strong arm, can't drive the ball downfield, does not throw a really tight spiral, system type player who can get ex exposed if forced to ad lib gets knocked down easily. <laughs> yeah, boy, oh boy, that's a, that's a tough, uh, that's a tough review, but <laughs> you know, man, it's, it's just so fascinating because you hear some of the videos and I'm sure he, I'm sure he has that thing come on. I'm sure he knows exactly what people said. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, when people doubt me, I, I kind of like to use that as a little bit of fuel, you know, oh, yeah. uh, especially on, on the days when, you know, you don't feel like doing something some of that negative motivation can, can add some fuel to the fire. No, absolutely. John, John, it's time for the wrap-up. Okay, great. So uh, that came so fast, Dave. Are you sure you got your clock right? It's still clicking, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, uh, Nick, so so uh, great to have you on the show. Um, if you could leave the listeners with um, maybe the two or three most important points for them to focus on, um, and then how to get a hold of you. Could you share that with the, with the listeners? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll leave maybe the top two things. And I think the internal locus of control, really taking action as to what you can actually control and have some say over is a really big one. So focus on that. Don't focus on things that you can't control. It's probably going to drive you wild. And then number two is just have a longer term time horizon. Again, it goes back to discipline, but if you have that uh, sense of delayed gratification and and extend your timeline, you're probably going to make better choices and ultimately be more successful. And, you know, thanks so much for having me on. If anyone wants to, you know, keep in touch or, you know, check out our book, you can just get it on Amazon and uh, feel free to follow me personally uh, at nick.shaw.rp on Instagram. You're into uh, social media. And just mention the name of your book again so people can go to Amazon and get it. Fit for Success. Good. Fit for Success by Nick Shaw. 
All right. Thank you, John and Nick. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to visit us at AsherLongevity.com to learn more about the science, supplements, and strategies to live a much longer and much happier life. That's AsherLongevity.com. From now until we meet again, John Asher reminds us that looking after our health today gives us better hope for tomorrow. This concludes another edition of Alive right here on the Funnel Radio Network for listeners like you. The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's asherlongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire.